Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of All Marketing School certification. Welcome to Alt Marketing School. We are proudly bringing together a new wave of marketers, just like yourself. We want to provide you with the skills to speak to your audience perfectly empower clients with winning strategies to market their brands, champion their values, and make a positive impact in the online world. My name is Fab, and I'm your host. May the class begin. Hello team, and welcome back to the Make an Impact Show. It's Fab here, and I'm really excited to be back because this week we are gonna talk about making space and being enough, which, if you ask me, sounds about right. I think a lot of us after the past couple of years are really looking to lead a simpler life, a life that is really aligned to us and our own path. And guess what? This is exactly what we're going to be talking about today with our incredible guest, Jessica Rose Williams. If you don't know Jessica, she's a writer and a lifestyle blogger living in the tiny peak district village in the UK. She writes about living a simpler, slower and more intuitive life. And her first book, Enough, was just published at the beginning of the year. So I'm really excited to bring her own perspective and story in. And I think it's going to reflect with a lot of the ways that a lot of us have been feeling recently and how we have been trying to navigate the changes that happened in a lot of our lives. We believe that it's really important to definitely find a way to connect to ourselves, to our business, and obviously to our brand. But similarly, there's always a good place for us to reclaim our space and our time. And this is what Jessica and I are going to talk about today. If you need any more help to reclaim your time, I'm just going to add for you to check out our upcoming three-day bootcamp and you can find out more about how we want to help you reclaim your time, especially in your business. All you have to do is go to creativeimpact.group slash build to find out more about the upcoming bootcamp. In the meantime though, I hope you love this episode, you get inspired to really embrace your own version of living simpler, minimalism, and so much more with Jessica Rose Williams. Hello team and welcome back to the Make an Impact Show. Today I'm really excited to have Jessica with me. Hello Jessica, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I am very excited to dive deep into your book, Topics About Slow Life, and first and foremost, to get to know you a bit better. 
and I think it's great also for some of our audience just to get a better understanding of who you are and who is Jessica and I'm going to start probably with not a question is the most common ones uh, but it's one that I'm always interested in hearing answers about which is Jessica if you could choose a trivia category that you'd be really good at what would it be and why a trivia category yeah like trivial pursuit but it can also be something that you completely make up we had I think we had Britney Spears at some point as well so I'm really open to anything and everything a topic that you could be really good at oh my gosh First thing that's springing to mind, and it's probably because I've recently rewatched it, is Sex in the City. I think I'd be really good at that. <laughs> that's an excellent one. That that's that's a good one. Have you also watched the latest stuff? Is that the reason why you started rewatching it, or you're not really touching the the, the new? Yeah, no, I've been watching the latest one and recently really got into the podcast uh, Sentimental in the City, which is like a commentary podcast and they go through each season of each one it's um Catherine O'Donoghue and Dolly Alderton and it's uh it's brilliant so yeah I've recently binge watched like seasons one to six and I've just just finished season six and I think yeah I'd, I'd be I'd um I'd edge my bets with that category <laughs> absolutely love that then I have one only follow-up question which is who's your fave Carrie I love that I was, I was doing a break I was like yeah Carrie I forgot I love that amazing yeah well <laughs> You know what? It's kind of hard for me. I think I used to be, we used to watch it at uni with my friend, Sex and the City. And it's kind of been weird as I have evolved with the different characters. At first, I felt very Carrie because I'm, I'm a writer and I felt that kind of represented me. And then I moved into Samantha and then somehow I ended up feeling more in line with Miranda somehow. So I've been having a bit of an evolution myself. I never really stuck with one, which has been a bit crazy. Oh, yeah. I think you can definitely see like, you can take different aspects of, of all of them, can't you? And, um, and blend them together. I mean, I love them all dearly, but if I had to choose one, then uh, that would, that would be my favorite. I love it. Thank you. Now, going back, going back a long time, maybe to the first time you watched Sex and the City, I'm not sure, but I wanted to ask you, what is the first job you had, Jessica, and what did you learn from it? Ooh. The first job I ever had was working in a hairdresser's when I was 13. I used to go and wash hair and sweep up. And what I learned from it is that I find social interactions really awkward. <laughs> I really, really struggled with it. And I also learned that, like looking back now, that I hate, I hated specifically then more so being being a young girl I really hated disappointing people like when I got things wrong it would it would really really upset me I remember getting soap in in a lady's in a lady's eye once and I literally thought I was going to get sacked and like you know really told off it was the worst thing ever to um to happen yeah my last icebreaker question for you would be maybe the hardest one which is uh Jessica what does making an impact mean to you and why? Okay, that is the difficult question, actually. The first thing that, that comes to mind is something that I have worked really hard on myself to discover, like, what it is in terms of the, the purpose in my life and what, what it is that I want to achieve. And it definitely lines up with making an impact in terms of my understanding of it. And that is to make people 
think and to make people feel. And that is the aim with all of my work, actually. And if I can do that, then as far as I'm concerned, I've done, I've done my job and I've done what, what I set out to achieve. I think that's, that's an amazing thing to be able to do. I love it. And it kind of ties in with, I guess, like the next question maybe that we can kind of get into, um, writing up on this, which as you said, is making people think and feel. And this is going to be probably harder. You're going to be like, no, another one. But with the book, especially with enough, if you could think about, you know, the different things that you cover in the book and the different elements and topics that you talk about overarching, what would be one way or a couple of ways that you would love people to feel at the end of the book when they read the book and they get to the end of it? The first thing that comes to mind is intuitive. Um, I talk about this a lot throughout the book about living from the inside out and turning inwards as much as possible. So I would like them to feel that they have at least sparked a little bit of curiosity with with their own intuition, if not, um, ha- or, you know, having those conversations with themselves would be would be ideal. And I'd like people to feel motivated to make positive changes in their own lives, whatever they whatever that whatever that looks like for them I love that because obviously intuitive living is also one of the one of the terms I actually see at the at the beginning of the book and it comes up and it's the simple question like what is really intuitive living and the reason why I'm also asking this is because our peeps our dear listeners hello again I always say hi to you dear listeners they are often people that work for themselves or they're entrepreneurs or are people that juggle a lot of plates. And we, we get, we hear all the time, you know, tap into your intuition and you talk a lot about it as well. And I love the fact that intuitive living goes beyond the intuition, let's say, to just make a decision when it comes to your business. They can actually apply in so many areas of your life. So just to give us a bit of context about what does intuitive living mean to you, as is, as you say, is one of the big topics and what kind of really brings together elements of the book as well. Yeah, so for me, as I said, intuitive living is living from the inside out. So it's listening to your true self and we all have a true self in there. Sometimes it's it's shrouded in um in old traumas or pain or other you know, other protection. Um and for that reason a lot of us find ourselves living from the outside in so we're heavily influenced by outside forces by outside expectations from being very very young from our parents from where we grew up our you know social status it's just so many so many different things and we, we it's very easy and natural and the majority of us end up living a life that we the life that we think we should be living and often that's very out of sync with the life that we that we want to live and intuitive living to me is turning that on its on its head and living the life that we want to live instead of the life we think we should be living and the only way to do that is to really self-partner listen to ourselves love ourselves and 
guide ourselves and see see where that that individual path takes us. I love that and I know that especially within the book we're actually guided through a lot of the stories and also your own experience with making some of these decisions and these changes and that's how I want I was wondering whether maybe you can give us a bit of a taster of one example one experience that then brought you to again based on what you just said and the idea of intuitive living to then decide to explore how to live a simpler life and we talk about it in a variety of ways but I'm thinking for now just to tap into the minimalism aspect you know that's simplifying the space around you as well and your house and obviously the different elements but I would love if you had an example or an experience you want to share with us around that. Yeah so the first one that's coming to mind is when I decided to stop drinking. Um, I'm a millennial and drinking culture was very important when I was growing up. It was a huge part of anyone and everyone's identity, like how much you can drink, how much of a party girl you were. That was, you know, self-worth was actually wrapped up in that looking back, which was pretty scary. And I got really wrapped up in that myself. And I'd already started exploring minimalism from the physical aspect of, you know, as so just starting to ask myself, like, what is it that I actually need as opposed to want and what is it that I actually enjoy and what is adding value to my life and I was assessing all those things in the physical form and then eventually came to those uh, bigger lifestyle decisions as well and it was it you know I describe it like minimalism a bit like a muscle where you start and the more that you flex it, the stronger that it gets. And then it these daily decisions that you, you have to make for yourself get easier and easier. And it was literally one night out where I thought or realized I don't even like alcohol. Like, why why am I doing this when I don't even enjoy it? What value is the And it's just literally like one simple question. What value is this adding? And it was adding absolutely nothing. So following that I made a promise to myself and I go into the the full story in the book I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't have another drink again unless I really wanted one so it wasn't a deprivation thing it was just a an intentional decision and I I haven't had haven't had a drink a drink since yay I mean I'm (laughs) I'll say I'm I'm biased I I haven't been drinking for I should know now. I do actually an app that tells me for about four or five years. I've uh, been completely sober and it's been a very different experience for me. Very similar to you. Mm. What values it adding to my life? And I realized that it wasn't serving me in the right way. And thank you so much for sharing. And I love that you mentioned that because I think sometimes, you know, as you said, there are decisions that maybe we do in a more moderate way. Sometimes there are decisions where we decide to actually take something out to actually be able to experience other things in a much more fulfilling way. So... Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I want to touch on the minimalism aspect again once more because you talk about some concepts including like breaking the rules when it comes to minimalism and even um, there's a concept that you mentioned which is a destination addiction and I love that you kind of covered that a bit when it comes to approaching minimalism and you mentioned this this concept of the you know one one no, one fits all sort of minimalism and I think because now we're a lot more exposed to ideas of how to declutter, how to organize, 
how to make our life simpler. People are still very new to it and they're attracted to it. But as you say, like they might say that there's one way to do it and that's what they might be struggling with. And they struggle all together with even giving it a go. So I would love you to maybe give us a bit more insights on that because I think a lot of listeners might be at the beginning of a journey of trying to simplify things. And I really resonated with what you mentioned about that, you know, one size fit all experience that some of us might see online or might perceive at first. Yeah, I think um, we're so conditioned with, you know, that destination thinking again, which is basically that we have we have it programmed into us where we think, oh, if I could just have this or get to this point, you know, um, I don't know, 100,000 followers on Instagram, that designer bag, that job, that house, or be able to go on that trip, I'll be happy. And that is heavily programmed into us daily through marketing, through the culture, society that, that we live in. And I think the minimalist lifestyle is so interesting because it it's designed to take us away from that and to just to ask ourselves a few more questions and be more intentional. But at the same time, it's grown arms and legs and become another extreme of that. So where, you know, we think, oh, I I need a, I don't know, going back to Sex and City, a Carrie Bradshaw closet to be happy. We go to, oh, I need a closet that Marie Kondo would, you know, jump up and down and, and give me an applause for. And it's, it's just, it's exactly the same, but it's just dressed up differently. And I think the question that so many of us are, not encouraged to ask and also are, are very afraid to ask ourselves is what is it that we need what is it that we want and we're not used to having that kind of autonomy in our own lives because it doesn't suit these vast industries that are dedicated to profiting from telling us what to do what to buy what to want um, so we kind, you know, it's, it's all, it's very, very new to us, but I think that it's only by asking ourselves those questions and sitting with it and really digging down deep and also trusting ourselves that we can come up with our own unique version of what, not just minimalism, but, you know, a, a fulfilling life looks and and feels like to us and I'm a big believer that that should look and feel different for everyone because we are all unique individuals it it doesn't make any sense that we should all be happy with the same Pinterest style minimalist lifestyle because we're all you know not not one of us is is the same so surely it should all look and feel very, very different. And we shouldn't be afraid to chase after that. We shouldn't be afraid to embrace that. And I think that's where fulfillment, fulfillment really, really lies for us. I love the question, what do I need? Because I think it's a very simple question. And I'm going to add to that. And the simplest questions are the most powerful ones because mm. we hide, we can hide less from them or within them sometimes. I was wondering, I know there's plenty of questions as well that you share, especially in the book, but in prompts, but is there one other question that you can think of, maybe that you asked yourself, that is not just what do I need, 
that you found has really helped you throughout your journey? It can be with minimalism, but it can also be with exploring the different ways that you can be enough. Yeah, I think a really good question. It is a very simple one, and it's one that I picked up in therapy, actually. And it's what is this doing for me? Because it's very, it's a very open question. It can be applied to lots of different things. It can be applied to the physical, but also the emotional um, and habitual lifestyle um, aspects as well. So I, I, yeah, I think that's a that's a really really good one that I've leaned on quite a lot. What is this? What is this doing for me? And as you said, there's that power of self reflection which goes back even deeper. And I love this question because all of them have an element of self-reflection, but you can really see within this what you actually are, are able to step back slightly and give yourself that support that you need to answer the question. And I know that you actually do mention therapy actually within, you know, within the different areas of the book. And one element which I really love because I think is really interesting going back to understanding, you talked about society as well and what we see around us and our programmed to feel or think or want certain things. You talk also about exploring our relationship with our inner child, which is absolutely terrifying for so many people. And I don't even know that until this. I, I did the work and I'm still doing the work. And I know that that's one of the ones where I'm like, yay, <laughs> let's go back to that fun playground that it is, if you want to use an analogy. But the reason why I'm asking is because I would love you to be able to share with us maybe, you know, how how is this process of actually exploring this relationship with your inner child has helped you or even why you wanted to start exploring that so that maybe we can actually help other people start this for themselves or approach it and kind of learn something about that yeah um so it's something that I desperately did not want to do um for reasons that were obvious once I started doing it there's a lot of pain and trauma in my own childhood it's something that came about from um as I talked about earlier it's something that came about from going to therapy and it's so Freudian isn't it and it's so cliche and we kind of think oh gosh surely not you know blame the parents oh it's all about childhood but that isn't that isn't going anywhere it is it's you know, pretty factual now in terms of, of psychology that the, the beginnings of, of our lives lay the foundation for our adulthood. And if we're having any kind of, um, you know, any kind of struggles, or even if we just want to understand ourselves a little bit better now, and I'm a big believer in, um, you know, the old know thyself and knowledge is power. I don't think we can ever have too, too much in terms of wanting a, you know, more fulfilling, more meaningful, intentional life. And it has, going back to my childhood has given me the biggest leap and the most in-depth knowledge of myself that I have now. And I, I lean on that knowledge daily. Like I talk about in the book that we can't have too much self-awareness and going through therapy and anyone else that's gone through therapy might relate to this. I just, you know, got a little bit fed up with it. And I remember saying to my therapist, like, isn't this, do I really need to be looking at all this? And I just like digging too deep. Like, is this really necessary? Do, can't you have like too much self-knowledge? Isn't it better to just wander around a little bit ignorant and you know ignorance is bliss they say um and the answer is no we can't we can't think too much about our 
emotions or have too much self-knowledge. It is absolutely critical because knowledge is power. And the more knowledge we have about ourselves and our behaviors, again, which are so strongly, and we're all the same because we're all wired the same, which are so strongly linked to our childhood that makes it a necessity to engage with that inner child that we all we all carry around within us forever and they have a lot of power like that's been really strange strange concept for me to get my head around first of all that there's this you know sub psyche um, little person within me like you know you just think you grow up and then you lose all of that you shed it you're an adult now grow up all that sort of stuff no that's not the case there are younger versions within us forever and in that case surely it makes sense to engage in having the best relationship with them as possible in order to have the best relationship with our you know with our full selves I love that you prioritize that and you are like that as one of the elements when it comes to, you know, simplifying your life and actually embracing, as you say, like the way of kind of choosing your own path and living your own path. Because I, and you talked about a lot of things that really resonate with me in the way that when I talk to a lot of people, but even if it's business, you can have any topic. When it's hacks, when it's people telling you what to do, as you say, how should your pantry look like? Naturally, as humans, we gravitate towards that. It's easier. If somebody gives us the instruction, we'll do it. That's fine. As you said, it's that challenge of actually having to then build our own life or being able to look at ourselves in all these different facets that really shows us how we can live a simpler life because we're actually understanding what does it look like for me. And I know that we talked about it throughout the conversation quite a lot, but I want to really stress it because um, you know I don't want lovely listeners to feel like yeah but what does this really entail when it comes to minimalism and simplifying your life it's the key is that mindset piece and you talk about it a lot throughout the book that making space in different areas of your life and uh, you know you call about talk about enough within is probably one of the most important pieces of the puzzle and I wanted to touch on the enough space for a second as well because I think they're very much interwoven as well and um, there's an I think and tell me what you think. I find that boundaries have become something that we've become a lot more aware of after a pandemic. I think we almost, not forgotten, but we kind of took for granted like how much of our boundaries we would negotiate with people. And then with actually having to reclaim our space a lot more, we're like, wait a second, I need to set boundaries. And that's something that I found and I would love to hear what you think. And the question related to that is, how do you find that our boundaries and understanding that within our relationship can really help us being enough, but also making enough space for ourselves and for the people that we want to make space for? Yeah, I agree with what you're saying about the pandemic. And I did um, I did write about this. I think it was a blog post that I wrote. Of, yeah, I think it was um, about how like when lockdown started to lift, it was actually the perfect time to start saying no, because we'd all had this reset. Um, that we didn't have to, we didn't have to do, like we'd been reset. It all, everything had been reset for us. All those, um, all those routine commitments, they'd all disappeared. We were all, um, you know, left with having to start, start fresh, start again. Um, and that, that could actually be seen as a, as a really beautiful thing. And I thought it was the perfect time to start implemented and again I think the pandemic forced the entire world to slow down and I think a lot of 
introspection came from that. A lot of personal reflection came from that because we had the time to think, which is time that we often don't give ourselves and time that I, I believe we, we desperately, we desperately need. In terms of boundaries, yeah, I think boundaries are incredibly important. I write about them a lot throughout the book and I think they're strongly linked to what we were talking about earlier. The question specifically, what do I need? And I think so often we're discouraged from, and again, this might be a childhood thing. It definitely was for me growing up. I wasn't encouraged to think about my own needs or my own boundaries and how they could benefit me. But I think that is incredibly important because time specifically is our most precious resource. We can't make more of time. It is literally a pie chart that has to be divided up and we have a choice. And unless we make a choice, other people will make those choices for us. And that's often how we can end up in this really resentful state where we feel taken advantage of, really rushed, really busy, really taken away from the kind of life that we want because either we feel like we don't deserve it or just that we don't have a say. We don't have um, a right to our own life, to our own time. And we do, and we should, and we should encourage ourselves to do that. We should be demonstrating that to younger younger generations, I believe, and encouraging our friends to to do the same but it requires a slight you know culture shift I think but boundaries are essential in terms of honoring our needs and like you said making the time that we need for ourselves and the time that we need for those for those that that matter and if I if I can add I think there's also an element going back to what you said which I think is really powerful is that then it allows us also to show up in the best way for the people that we really want to show up Absolutely. for and the people that we want to make the time mm-hmm. for, as you said. And I think it's it's one of the things, as you rightfully mentioned, like going back to the blog post you wrote and also the thoughts around the pandemic, it, I could definitely see it myself, maybe because of my character or how I am. I wasn't ready to jump straight into I'm going to do quotation marks in one more life. I wasn't ready to mm. jump into doing everything. I actually felt... Unsurprising from me because, Jessica, I know you've known me for a very short time, but I'm definitely the kind of person that has a a hamster running through her head 24-7. It's how I am. I blame my time. (laughs) I don't know. But for the first time ever, that's literally me. But for the first time ever, I felt like I was happy not to say yes to everything, to think things through a bit. And I think, as you said, it changed a lot of us. And it almost made me reprioritize relationships and make time to connect with people that way because I think either we took it for granted or as you said we were almost not thinking about how I want to do things and we left it at the mercy of others so thank you for reminding us of that because I think it's something we can take in further beyond the pandemic and everything else yeah wholeheartedly agree with that there is one little exercise that you mentioned as well in the book and I love it because we do it with our members every end of the year and it's about thinking about, you know, the word for the year, a word for yourself. And I love it. And my word, I'm not, it's not because it's you here, by the way. I just want to say, but my word for the year was space. Oh, okay. Making space. I love that. Hand on heart. That was it. So now I'm going to ask you your word. Obviously, listen, I think about yours as well. But Jessica, what is your word for 2022? My word for 2022 is healing. 
Can I ask you why is that? Yeah, I did my usual um, work through towards the end of end of last year, and my theory, my goal is that if I focus on healing, because the last year in particular has been quite um, traumatic in terms of personal changes and relationships that I have gone through. My thinking is that if I focus on my healing, then a lot of other things will will fall into place. And I feel like that's what I really need to be focusing on on right now. That felt like felt like the right fit for me this year. I love that. Thank you so much again for sharing. You're and welcome. as you said, is I like it because it's setting the foundation for you, which I'm sure will be like plentiful of rewards as well. I have a final question before I ask you to tell us where we can find out more. But the final question that we ask everyone since episode one, Jessica, is going to be almost as hard as Sex in the City, <laughs> so get ready for it. If you could have brunch, if you could have brunch with anyone, dead or alive, who would this person be and why? Jane Austen. Because she was a child-free woman living in a time when it was incredibly difficult, a lot more difficult than it is now. She was a writer who I admire, who I love. And wow, that would be absolutely incredible. I would love to pick her brain. Follow-up question very briefly. Where would you go? Do you know where you would take her? Oh my gosh, Chatsworth. Chatsworth House. We'd go to Chatsworth for high tea. <laughs> absolutely love it. Amazing. Jessica, thank you so much. I love I, I kind of was expecting some of that. Thank you. <laughs> can you remind us again where we can find out more about you, remind us about the book? Everything will be found in the show notes, but it's always good to give us a bit of a brush through. Yeah, of course. Um, the book is available online. It's available in bookshops. It's called Enough. And you can find out more about me on my blog, jessicarosewilliams.com. I'm on Instagram as Jessica Rose Williams, and I have a YouTube channel, Jessica Rose Williams, as well. Thank you so much for listening. Head to oldmortgageschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class. If you want to make your teachers happy, then hop onto iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Oh, and don't forget to spread the love on Instagram at Old Marketing School. Until next time.